The preceding message is brought to you by Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. Stay tuned after this message for more information about Kingsword Everywhere Nigeria. We are continuing our study or our discourse on the mercy and the grace of God, exploring the depths of the riches of God's kindness towards us. God's goodness and God's kindness towards us. Glory be to God. Can somebody declare by faith tonight that God is good to me? God is kind to me. God is favorable towards me. God is merciful to me. God loves me. Hallelujah. That, that must be your perception all the time. Particularly when you are going through difficult times. It's easy to believe God is good to you if you just got a very huge bank alert. Am I right or am I right? We don't have problems with those times. It's when we are having financial difficulties that the temptation to start doubting God's goodness, when we are having health challenges, when we are having um, issues in our marriages or on our jobs, that's when the devil now can start planting thoughts and seeds to make us doubt God's goodness to us. And it's for those kind of times and seasons we need to prepare with what we are teaching and what we are sharing here so that we will not misjive. <laughs> when those things come, and now make things as it were worse for ourselves. Because that's what has happened to many people. We're going to talk a bit about Job, or make a reference to Job in tonight's teaching. That's what happened to Job's wife. When, I mean, and in quote and unquote, fairness to her, I mean, the storm that hit them was a serious one. Lose your wealth, lose your children, but she, she forgot how good God was in the midst of the storm. And was even now doing the bidding of Satan towards her husband, cause God and die. Out of bitterness. So, okay, what do you gain by cursing God? <laughs> like it's going to affect God if I curse God. What's it about in the beginning, God? I don't understand. You can't do anything for God. You can't do anything against God. It's not like if I curse God, God will now fall sick. So, what's the purpose of God? It was just bitterness of the difficulty and I mean that's a difficult situation. That's a difficult situation. But you see, it's for those times, I mean I learned this from, I think it was Gloria Copeland several years ago, never build your house in a storm. It's not when your children, God forbid, nobody's children will die here. It's not when you're going that kind of thing that you now start wanting to learn how good God is. It's too late. It's too late. That's when you now want to start learning that, that God is good. When catastrophe has struck, it's too late. You, you need to learn it before. I hear what I'm saying. So that when the wind comes, when the rain beats, when the storm comes, your house will stand. Your house will forever stand in Jesus' name. And we are actually doing a very interesting twist to it because our devotional study this month is on the new creation. Somebody say, I'm in Christ Jesus. I am a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. 
So what we're actually learning is the realities of who we are and what we have in Christ. Hallelujah. In Christ, not in Lagos. Not in Nigeria, in Christ. Not in the trouble that is around you, in Christ. In Christ. Not in your physical body, in Christ. Not in your bank account, in Christ. And the moment you master and learn what is yours in Christ, you can affect positively what is in your bank account. It's not the other way around. It's not the money in the bank account or the lack of money. It's usually lack of money in the bank account that will make you learn what is in Christ. No. When you know what you have or who you are in Christ, you can now affect what is going on in your physical body. The healing or the health. When you know who you are in Christ and you're like, we are talking about the depths of the riches that you have in Christ, you can now affect what is going on in your marriage. In your job or on your job, in your career, in your home, in Christ. So you have to always be aware of who you are and what you have in Christ. And specifically for this teaching, this time around, we are talking about the fact that we have mercy from God in Christ. Mercy, favor, grace, compassion. Glory be to God. I, I hope you've been meditating on and confessing the phrase we started using since the beginning of the month. That we have limitless mercy in Christ as new creations. We have unending favor. Hallelujah. In Christ. And we have abounding grace. Somebody say that I have limitless mercy. Unending favor. And abounding grace. You need to learn to put such things in your mouth. And get them deep into your heart. So they can be a part of your life. Because th that's how it works. Um, Philemon 1.6 Please put that up for us on the screen for people that may not be familiar with it. It said, it's you acknowledging the things that you have in Christ that makes the communication of your faith effective. Please put it up. But vital is a scripture we've studied a lot in church. That it's by the acknowledging. So if you have limitless mercy but you don't acknowledge it, that means you are not aware that you have limitless mercy. So that the sharing or communication or um, expression of your faith um, may become what effective. I mean, work. It's one thing to have something, it's another thing for you to be effective. And that's part of why we are teaching this. You, every new creation has it, but it's not effective for every new creation. Not because they don't have it. This explains why. It's not yet, how do you get it effective? It tells you why. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ. So, it's important I know what I have and who I am in Christ. And acknowledge it. This way, praying it is important. 
Confessing it is important. Having a revelation of it is important. Being conscious of it, particularly when you are going through tough times. We need these things for tough times. Nobody needs these things for good times, in that sense. But, well, I mean, who needs prayer in heaven? Is there any devil coming to disturb you? It's here in Lagos that you need prayer. When you are going through. And your faith is effective to get results for you when you learn to confess, I have limitless mercy. When you acknowledge it, I have unending favor. And I have abounding grace. We touched on that towards last week's teaching. What we are trying to say there is that no matter how much sin you have sinned, the mercy of God to forgive you of your sin is more. Hallelujah. No matter how much disfavor you have now caused for yourself. You know, there's Yoruba say for offer. Like the prodigal son. You went to meet your father to collect your inheritance. When the man is still alive. I mean, that's causing trouble. It's not the father that called you and said, come, my son, let me give you an inheritance. So you are the one that got up of your own. Not only did you now take the money, you now squandered it. Imagine if you have come back and said, God, you see, God, Daddy, you see this is what I've been telling you. You gave me one billion, now take back ten billion. That, you will have gained favor. Okay, ah, this was a wise son, but you are now a foolish son. You have lost everything. What we are teaching is even if you have brought that kind of disfavor and shame upon yourself, how many people here have made mistakes before? Don't move too much. Nobody will know I'm talking about you. We are saying the favor that God has is more than your mess up. I love what Reverend K said. God's mercies are for our mercies. And it's always more. So, last week we said that if you are a big debtor like the U.S. state government, don't let U.S. government harass you. They are busy. You should be praying for them. Do you owe $23 trillion? I use that to encourage myself at times. <laughs> How can you owe $23 trillion? Even as a nation. What is $23 trillion? I can't even picture it. Nobody has seen that kind of money before. They may be lying, you know. Maybe they are just lying to us. What's trillion? Not one, no 23. And counting. But even if that is the level of your grace, God's grace abounds more. Where sin abounded, where death abounded, grace abounded. In fact, it wasn't much more, is what the Bible said. And you have all that. Glory be to God. It starts when you get born again. Let's start with this verse tonight. First um, Peter chapter 1. Somebody say, I acknowledge what I have in Christ. I acknowledge who I am in Christ. So let's look at what you have and who you are in Christ. First Peter 1 from verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. Again, take note of the superlatives that they are using to describe these things. This is what speaks to the much more dimension of these things. The mercy is abundant. So it's ridiculous for a Christian to sin or make a mistake and run from God because of your error. No! In fact, it speaks to the fact that one, you don't know your God, your Father, and you don't know the amount of mercy. His mercy is always much more. Okay, I've done the sin of the prodigal son. 
when you come back to him, he will show you more mercy than the error you committed. Abundant mercy. Who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. This is how we got born again. This is what we are saying. It's the mercy of God that got us saved. And, and we laid out this principle last week. Your source is also your sustainer or your sustenance. So God called out fish out of water. Fish needs water to survive. God called out or created a new creation out of mercy. The new creation needs mercy to survive, to thrive. Praise God. According to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us to a living hope. Hallelujah. Can somebody shout, I have hope. This final quarter will be my best in the name of Jesus. I have hope. Is somebody expectant? Are you sure? You are expecting the remaining two and a half or two months, this final quarter, sir. You are expecting it to be your best in the name of Jesus. It comes out of the mercy of God. He has begotten us to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch verse 4 very carefully. To an inheritance incorruptible. Hallelujah. See where heirs and undefiled and does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. See, that's very important. When the old time believers used to read scriptures like that, they misinterpreted it. I, I talked about that briefly on Sunday. When they read things like that in heaven, the, the understanding, prevailing understanding was that that means um, it's when I get to heaven. I will start enjoying these things. And you can infer that from those words. But really, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that what God has given you is incorruptible and undefiled. It is kept in a place where moth and rust and decay and inflation cannot corrupt. That's why he's not saying you can't enjoy it here on earth. In fact, if you wait till you start enjoying the abundant mercy or your inheritance, when you get to heaven, you are just suffering yourself. It's unnecessary. You can start enjoying and you should start enjoying these things from now. I thought somebody would say amen to that. As it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. That, that's, we're going to be teaching along that line next month. God has given me what we're teaching in, in November. So it, it's reserved in heaven so that it, I mean, Nigeria's inflation does not affect it. Global recession doesn't touch it. Praise God. Because there's no recession in heaven, there's no inflation in heaven. So, even if there's recession in, on, on the earth, and there's economic backwardness in Nigeria, you can still enjoy this inheritance. Because where it is kept, moth and rot cannot touch it. Can I hear a loud amen? Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation to be revealed in the last time. Hallelujah. So this, this is who we are. This is what we have. We are the begotten again of God through his abundant mercy. And how we can experience and enjoy that is what we are teaching. We said there are two sides to this thing. 
there is the God side. And that's what we want to focus on again today. What God has done. Hallelujah. And then there is our side. What we need to do to experience and to maximize what God has done for us. We can't leave everything to God. Even though it is called the finished work, we've described what that finished work means. It's actually an unfinished work. But it's a finished work that is unfinished that is finished. I, I, I want to deal with that briefly tonight. The, um, I always talk to you about it. The oxymorons and the paradox of scripture. I, I want us to look at that um, very, very closely. Romans chapter 9 is the text we, we studied last, 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 um, last week. Verse 15 again and 16. Um, verse 16, God, he said, I will have mercy on woman, we will have mercy. Romans 9, 15. And verse 16 says, So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. And that's what we are trying to establish here, that look, it's all about what God has done. Your willingness or your running or your, the things you do are irrelevant. There is that dimension of the truth. That is one part of it. And you need to know that and to have very strong faith in that. That all that matters is what God has done for me. That's why we call it finished work. You can't add to what God has done. That is it. It's not of him that wills, of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. So, Romans 9, if you read the entire chapter and try to understand what Apostle Paul was communicating here, he was talking about the nation of Israel, about the, how the fact that they had rejected Christ, they didn't accept Christ, and he was laying a very, very important doctrinal truth here. Let, let's read from verse 6. So we can follow a strain of thought. How we arrived at um, God said that we have mercy on woman, we have mercy. Um, verse 6. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. You see what he's talking about in a moment. Nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. So what is he trying to say here? Remember, Abraham had two children. Well, he had more than two, but initially. Ishmael and Isaac, both of them were from Abraham's loins. He's saying the heirs or the covenant people of God is not the descendants of Ishmael. Even though Ishmael is also a son of Abraham. So, it's not everybody that is of Abraham's physical genealogy that the Bible refers to as children. But... In Isaac shall your seed be called. That's what that's the, that's the point he's making here. It, it had to do with the promise God gave Abraham. He didn't say just any of your children. No. Abraham had a child before Isaac, Ishmael. He had other children after Isaac. We don't even know the names of those ones. We don't remember that. I think some of their names are in the Bible. But God gave him this word in Isaac. Shall your seed be called. Are you still with me tonight? Verse 8, please follow what he's teaching us here. It's very powerful. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as seed. What does it mean by children of the flesh? All the other children Abraham had, 
they came because of natural efforts. Both Ishmael that he had through um, Sarah's handmaid, and then God did the miracle, restored his body, and he was able to have Isaac. Then the children now started having after God had done the miracle, the residue of the miracle. All those ones are the children of the, they are not the one God God picked. And really, where Paul is going is that God picked Isaac. God didn't pick all of Abraham's biological children, all his children. It was only Isaac. So that's what I mean. By, it's not the children of the flesh that are the, that are the children, but the children of the promise. Verse nine: For this is the word of promise, and he quoted what God told them. I think that was Genesis 14 or so. Or well, I can't remember the chapter again. At this time, I will come, and Sarah shall have a son. So. The, 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 the inheritance or the promise or the blessing was a function of the promise God gave them or the word God gave them. It had to do with God's choice. Do you understand that so far? You now give another example. And this is really what I wanted to see tonight. Verse 10. And not only this, is making the same point, but Rebecca also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac. Remember Rebecca twins. Jacob and Esau. Am I right? It's actually Esau and Jacob. Esau was the first one. For the children, please watch his point here. For the children not yet born, nor having done any good or evil, before they were born, before they did anything, Esau and Jacob, having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Somebody saw purpose of God. I mean, I told you last week, this is where you begin to reign. It's all about the purpose of God. It's all about the promise of God. It's all about the will of God. It's all about what God has done. Glory be to God. That the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. This is what we are saying. There is... What God has done, or the will of God, the purpose of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, then there's our own works. We are telling you that you need both. On one dimension, all that matters is what God does. And that's what he's trying to play here. What we do, your own part, is irrelevant. But that's just one side of the truth. So that we want to focus on that God part. And that's what Paul was emphasizing here. That the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, of, but of him that calls. Hallelujah. Verse 12, it was said to her, the older shall serve the younger. I mean, God, I mean, the, um, the older shall serve the younger. God chose Jacob over Esau for no reason that anybody can explain. And he deliberately chose the younger son over the older son, which was even not their custom. It was the firstborn son or the older son that was supposed to be the picked one. The same way like David's family, God chose David. David was the seventh born. It's just the election of God. You need to understand that. You need to understand that. It's all about the election of God. So Abraham had many children. God picked one, Isaac. Isaac had two children. God picked one, Jacob. What they did or did not do is irrelevant. Hallelujah. And that's how we now arrived at what God was saying in verses 15 and 16 that God will have mercy on whom will have mercy and he will show compassion on whom will show compassion. And it's not of him that wills or runs. Now, that is a valid truth. Do you understand that? 
and your faith must be very strong in that. Pack that for a minute. Let me show you that that is not the whole truth of scriptures. As valid a truth as it is. As that is what is being emphasized in Romans chapter 9. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. This is what we mean by oxymoron of scripture. The same Bible starts telling us that, look, God's mercy or not, your own input is also important, sir. Your own input doesn't take care of the finished work or what God has done. But how you respond to what God has done affects how you end up at the end of the day. Look, we are talking about the same story, Esau. Let's pick up reading so we can follow the train of thought. I wish I had more time. I would have loved to start from verse 1 or verse 6. But because of time, let's jump to verse 12. Therefore, now you watch all the instructions. It's talking to you. And these are the things we are dealing with on Sunday. What you are to do? What am I to do? Strengthen the hands which hang down. You strengthen the hand. And the football knees. All of a sudden, it's now of him that wills and of him that runs. And make straight paths for your feet. You, not God, you make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame will not be dislocated, but rather healed. In other words, what you do will determine whether there will be healing. Verse 12, pursue peace. Somebody say what I do. Come on, talk to me. I can't hear you. What I do. What are you to do? Pursue peace with all men and holiness. Live holy. Why? Without whom no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully. This is where we are going. Watch this. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How I look. How I believe. How I see. How I pursue. We call our prayer meetings here pursuit. How I, it, it will matter whether I walk in the grace or fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this, many become defiled. Now, we watch the point here. Watch the oxymoron and the paradox. The seeming contradiction from what we read in Romans chapter 9. Verse 16. Lest there be a fornicator or profane person like Esau. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Amazing. Ah, Romans chapter 9, you are telling us that before he did anything, God had already chosen his younger brother to rule over him. Now you are telling us it's because he was a profane person. That's why God rejected him. It's because he was an, um, a fornicator. That's interesting, no? So, <laughs> well, actually, he saw had some fornicating habits when you read the story. You are saying it's because of the way he handled his birthright. That's why he lost it. Are you getting the point I'm trying to make here? Hello? On one hand, it's all about God. It's not of him that wills and runs it. And that's the base. That's where it starts from. It's about the mercy of your faith must run it. On the other hand, how you respond to that grace can affect how you end up. That's what he's teaching us in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 11, he told us about the heroes of faith. He now said we should look unto Jesus, follow the example. So on Sunday, we are dealing with your part. Somebody say my part. Today, again, I want to focus on this God's mercy part because it's so vital. You've got to understand that what is being taught in Romans 9. It's not of him that wills. It's not of him that runs. It's of the mercy of God. And your faith must be strong in that. Hallelujah. Let, let, let's go on in Romans chapter 9. There are some other powerful things um, 
Apostle Paul said here. Hallelujah. Look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 9. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills. And this is where I'm going tonight. And whom he wills he hardens. That was in reference to Pharaoh. I won't bother talking about that. But the point tonight, and this is what I want us to grasp tonight. God, this is my main message tonight. God wants to show you mercy. God wants to show you. are the one that God wants to show mercy. Therefore, he has mercy upon whom he will. He already told us that it's of the mercy of God. It's all about. He now said in verse 18, he has mercy on whom he wills and whom he wills he addings. Verse 23, look at verse 23 because of time. And you need to grab this. And that he might make known this, what we are talking about, the riches. Somebody shout riches. You need to know that this mercy or favor or grace or goodness or kindness, it's abundant. Stop economizing for God. The, the riches of his glory. And watch this phrase. Never forget it. This is who you are if you're a new creation. The riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy. Somebody say I'm a vessel of mercy. You know what a vessel is? A container. The picture is that God has poured so much mercy upon your life. Or God wants to pour so much mercy on your life. He anointed my head with oil. My cup or my vessel runs over. He's so rich and abundant in mercy. And he wants to show it to us. And he has given us a name. Vessels of mercy. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a vessel of mercy. Come on, I can't hear you. Say, I'm a vessel of mercy. Read that verse 23 with me again. Watch this. That he might make known the riches of his glory. We, we talked about Sunday. It's all about manifesting the glory. That's what I said Jesus did in that miracle at the wedding of Cana of Galilee. And he said, how did it come about? He gave them instructions. And that's, that's, these are our parts. We're not talking about that now, but you see, you, you are supposed to be your life, your marriage, your ministry, your finances, your health. It's supposed to be manifesting the riches of God's glory. Why? You are a carrier and a container of that mercy. It has been poured. And God wants to pour some more. Hallelujah. And you must know that, like we said last week, it is enough. If all I have is the grace of God, it is sufficient. I don't need to take away the devil God was telling Paul. We were talking about that last week. My grace is enough. My mercy is enough. My favor is enough. Hallelujah. That he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. We have been prepared to manifest his glory. Amen. Even us. Verse 24. Somebody say even me. Look at your neighbor and say even us. Whom he called. Watch it. Watch what we're emphasizing tonight. Not of the Jews but also of the Gentiles. Can you tap your neighbor one more time and say we are included in this thing. This is the legacy or the story or the destiny of the new creation. 
You are a vessel of God's mercy. You are a vessel of God's favor. You are a vessel of God's goodness. You are a vessel of God's kindness. And the plan is for you because of his abundant mercy, abundant kindness, abundant goodness in your life to show God's glory. When they run out of water, you when they run out of wine, you convert water to wine for them. Or when you run out of wine, you, the water that you have been converted to wine. This he did to show his glory. Hallelujah. And I'm, I'm jumping verses. I wish I had time to go through Romans 9 line by line with you. Well, look at the last verse in the chapter. This is how it concluded. As it is written. And this is what makes all this possible. Behold. Romans 9.33 I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. That's how you get it, believing on Jesus. That's how you become a vessel of mercy. That's how, as it were, God picks you. Who has God picked? The people that believe on the name of Jesus. The new creation. The born again person. Glory, 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 glory be to God. Are you with me so far? So let, let's focus on the mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm using mercy and grace. That's what we've themed the teaching. But I'm using those two words. But we're also talking about favor, kindness, compassion, goodness. You will see. I mean, we've mentioned many of them. I'm using that, those two and all these other synonyms. What you must understand is today. Somebody say today. This very hour. I'm not hearing somebody's voice. So this week, this week, this week, this month of October, this final quarter of 2019, all the rest of my days on this side of eternity and thereafter, God wants to show me mercy. And that is enough. That is enough. Even though the other truth is also vital low. But we are saying the mercy of God is enough. If all I, you know, we sing that song, if all I say is Jesus, if all I get is mercy, it's more than enough. If all I get is the favor of God, it's more than enough. Hallelujah. If all I experience, all I receive is the goodness of God, it's more than enough. You need to have strong faith in that. And to wake up. In fact, look, God wants to show you mercy in Lamentations 3.23. Let's start from verse 22. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassion fails not. God wants to show me mercy. God wants to show me compassion. Hallelujah. We saw that in the earthly ministry of Jesus. He will see people going through trouble. And that was, he had compassion of them. The next thing, a miracle happened. That's him. That, that Jesus is the express image of God. God wants to show you mercy. His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, question. Have you received the message for today? I want to ask you. Have you received the message for today? Have you received the message for today? Are you poised to receive the mercy for tomorrow? The message, you know, if it's daily, that means there is mercy for the week. There are seven days in a week. Are you going to receive the message for this week? 
They are new. How many mornings? New every morning. Are you ready for the mercies of this month? The favor of this month? The goodness and the kindness of God of this month? The compassion of Jesus for this month? Remember, it is enough. Oh, forget about what you have to do. It's not of him that will let or run it. As valid a doctrinal truth as that is, and as much as we need to teach you how to respond. Because, like Esau, on one hand, before you were even born, God had chosen to show you mercy. So whether you are born or not born, whether you um, appreciate your birthright or don't appreciate your birthright, whether you kill the sacrifice on time or don't kill the sacrifice on time, you can run all you want to run. All that one, look, sir, we had settled this thing before the foundation of the world. So on that, you must know that. On the other hand, don't be a fornicator. Strengthen the hands that are weak. So what you do also matters. It's the same Bible I'm reading. It's not that I'm reading Quran in one place. I'm reading the same book. Two valid truths. And you need to be strong in both of them. So back to the one we are following, the mercy of God. It's all about the mercy of God. It's new every morning. Have you received? God told me to ask that to everybody here. And you are answering from your heart. Have you received the mercy of God for today? And you do it by faith. You don't get anything from God without faith. Have you received? The one for this week, this month. The mercy, the favor, the goodness for the rest of this year. Has somebody received and are you ready to receive? Oh, hallelujah. Look at Jude, um, Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Look at what this is how to receive it. Jude verse, chapter 1, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Please watch this phrase very carefully. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. How do I receive that money? You look for it. When I wake up, I know that he daily loaded me with benefits. Hallelujah. I receive your mercy. I receive your favor. I receive your grace. Please, particularly when you're in trouble. Sir, when Satan strikes your household and kills your children, that's when you need the mercy the most. I'm coming to I'm coming there. Look for it. And the previous verse in Jude chapter 1, he said, praying in the Holy Ghost. Are you not glad that you can pray in the Spirit? See, it's, it's, it's something for the new creation. So the new creation, praying in the spirit, releasing their faith, looking for the mercy of God. Because God wants to show it to me every day. His favor, his goodness, his kindness. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And that's talking about manifesting eternal life. Praise God. Please let me tap two, three people around you and tell them God wants to show you mercy. God wants to show you mercy. Come on, tap them again. God wants to show you mercy. Like he showed many, many sinners. I call them nameless sinners. There are so many people, like the woman we talked about last week. The woman that came to the house of that Pharisee and started wiping Jesus' feet with her tears. I mean, washing his feet with her tears, wiping it with her hair. 
and putting perfume on it. Like it showed sinners mercy. Look at this text that Jesus said, talking to the Jews. Very powerful scripture. Matthew 9, 13. And really, this is what we are doing in this, in this service and in this series of teaching. Go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Go and learn what it means. Then he made this statement after that. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Actually, that statement deals with these two sides of our redemption we are talking about. There is what we, the righteous, do. We, we make sacrifices. And that's vital. That is our response. Righteous people have to make sacrifices. Coming to church tonight for some of us is a sacrifice. In this rain. And whatever way of traffic you have to go through. Paying tithes and offerings is a sacrifice. But clearly, if you do it the way God will have you do it. Serving God is a sacrifice. And quite honestly, that is our response of faith. That's, that's the one we are teaching on Sunday. But he's telling us beyond the sacrifice of the righteous, my desire or my utmost desire is to show mercy to the sinner that doesn't even know his left from his right. And we need to understand that. That's how this kingdom operates. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Everything rests on the grace and the mercy of God. And it is enough. Can I hear a loud amen? Somebody say grace is sufficient. Mercy is enough. And that is ultimate desire. That is not to say you should not make sacrifices. No, the Bible teaches a lot on that. That's what Hebrews 12 was talking about. But beyond and over and above and primarily and before the sacrifice that the righteous have to make, this thing runs on the mercy of God. So he kept showing sinner after sinner. I love what um, Hebrews chapter 8 says. Hebrews 8 and 12. And I'm beginning to close. Please put up my clock. I need to know how much time I have left. Hebrews 8 and 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And if you read Hebrews chapter 8, it's defining the new covenant. Describing the new covenant that the new creation has with God. This is the hallmark of it. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. So, if and when I sin, God has mercy, new every morning, much more than my sin. Not so that I can continue sinning, no. no. But His mercy is just more. He has more mercy than any mess I can commit as a prodigal son. Can I hear a loud amen? God wants to show you mercy like He showed Job. Look at James chapter 5, verse 11. And if, if you read from verse 7, really what, what James was teaching was we should have patience. We should learn to sow and water our seed and wait for the harvest and be patient and learn to persevere when we are going through difficult times. Why? Verse 11, indeed, we count them blessed when endure. James chapter 5, verse 11, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. He, he held on to his faith and confidence in God. Even though he was going through that 
horrendous ordeal. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. That the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. What God showed Job at the end of the day was mercy and compassion. And God told me to prophesy over someone at the sound of my voice. It doesn't matter how much you have lost or what you have lost or how painful the ordeal you are going through is or has been. God is merciful unto you. And he will show you mercy like he showed Job. That's what God wants to do for you. Mercy like he showed Job. God gave him twice as much as he lost. That was a mercy operation of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is merciful unto me. God wants to be merciful to you like he showed mercy to Paul. Paul was describing how he came into ministry and he discovered purpose. We talked about purpose last Sunday. It's an operation of God's mercy. First Timothy chapter 1 from verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me. Because he counted me faithful. Not that I was faithful, though. He counted me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a persec- um, persecutor and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy. Hallelujah. Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. I prophesy over someone under my voice. God will show you mercy that will enable you to discover your purpose in life and your destiny in the name of Jesus. Like Paul, you will run your race. You will finish your course in the name of Jesus. Why? God will show you mercy. That's how we discover purpose, by the mercy of God. Paul was going to attack the church when God showed up. And he obtained mercy. You will obtain mercy. You will discover your own purpose. Like Job, what has been stolen from you, you will experience restoration. This is what to do when you wake up in the morning. This is what to be looking for. Hallelujah. Because you know this is God's will for you. So when you have lost something, or you have lost time, or you have lost opportunities... Wake up like Jude said and be looking for the mercy of God like Job got it. That will bring restoration of minimum double of what you lost. And if you don't know what to do, just start praying in tongues. And God will show you mercy. When you sin, you commit abortion or you are a prostitute or whatever like that woman. Look for mercy. Hallelujah. For God wants to show it to you. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. Ah! Is that good news for somebody or what? Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. There's one man, Reverend K has been quoting this text a lot. Onesiphorus. Apostle Paul mentioned him in 2 Timothy. God wants, not just you, God wants to show your household mercy. Don't worry or be concerned overly about your loved ones. First Timothy, I mean, Second Timothy chapter 1 from verse 16. The Lord grants mercy to the house of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. The Lord grant him that he may find mercy from the Lord on that day. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I receive the mercy that God is granting me 
and all my loved ones. I mean, Onesiphorus' um, story reminds me of Obedidom in the Old Testament. That they put the Ark of the Covenant in his house. Second Samuel chapter 6. The Ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidom, the Gittite, three months. Somebody say one quarter. Say this final quarter. And the Lord blessed. This is what God wants to do for you. Somebody say this is what God wants to do for me. And it happens every day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said it happens every day. That's why I said his mercy is new every morning. And I'm looking for it. Hello, somebody. Come on, declare that I'm looking for it. And he told us what to do. Pray in the spirit. Building up yourself upon your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Looking. Keep yourself in love of God. Looking for the mercy. Because God wants to show it to you. That means be expectant. Somebody say I'm expectant. Say this final three months of 2019. I am expectant. Like he said. And the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. Hallelujah. And the blessing was so much. Verse 12. Now it was told the king. It's not everybody's testimony that go and share with Buario. Hello. Do you know some people if they do something outstanding? Imagine if you build a Facebook in Nigeria. Just imagine, 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 imagine. Tap your neighbor and say, imagine, imagine. Can you think that far? Can you think that far? Are you there? Okay, you're not an IT guy. Imagine if you just, I don't know, you win Olympic gold medal. They will tell Buari about it now. Am I right or am I right? That's what happened to this man. They didn't, nobody wanted the ark of God. They put it in his house. And the Bible said the Lord blessed him and his household. And it was told the king, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom. Watch this, so And all that belongs to him. So it's not just you or your household. Somebody say, All my possessions as well. Actually, that's what they meant by household. Even your cat and your dog will get it. Can somebody shout hallelujah? But watch what they said. Because of the ark of the Lord. Not because of what Obedidom did. Because of the ark of the Lord. It was because of God. So David went and brought up the ark from the house of Obedidom. Who doesn't like better thing? To the city of David with gladness. What he did not want before. When he heard about the goodness of God, hallelujah. When he heard about the blessings of the Lord, when he heard about the mercy and the kindness and the favor God should obey the dom, his household and all that belongs to him, David said, I want some too. Bring it to my city. Is somebody interested? That's the kind of goodness and mercy and blessing that God wants to show you. Can somebody shout hallelujah? This is what you should be expecting every time you wake up as a new creation. Because you are a vessel of mercy. Hallelujah. And it will be your portion this season. This last three months of 2019. It will be your portion. In the name of Jesus. Rise on your feet. Lift your hands and let's begin to thank God tonight. First of all, begin to acknowledge I'm a vessel of mercy. I'm a vessel of mercy. Oh, it's because of the Lord's mercy that I'm not consumed. This compassion fails not. They are new every morning. 
New every morning. New every morning. And I'm a vessel. I am a recipient. I am a container of the I'm full. Imagine God just anointing your head with oil until your cup runs over. Pouring mercy after mercy. Limitless mercy. Limitless mercy. Limitless mercy. Somebody open your mouth and acknowledge. Acknowledge all the good things that are available to you that are yours in Christ Jesus. All the good things God has done. It's mercy. Limitless mercy. Unending favor. Abounding grace. Kayatosakata. Oh, and I'm looking for it. Glory be to God. I'm receiving the mercies of today. Oh, Shandegeda Bosakata. I'm receiving the mercies of today. Oh, Yadabababababusha. I'm receiving the mercy of today. Hey, Yataka. The mercy for this week, this month, and this year end season, this final three months. <laughs> oh, as a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am receiving the mercy of God, the favor of God, the goodness of God, the compassion of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God. I am a vessel of mercy. Come on, open your mouth and acknowledge these things. Declare it. Declare it. Don't allow the calamity or the difficulty around you define your life. No. Let who you are and what you have in Christ define you. Who am I and what do I have? I'm a vessel of mercy. Oh, I have unending favor with God. I have limitless mercy with God. I have abounding grace with God. And God wants to show me these things. He wants to show forth these things in my life and through my life. Open your mouth wide and acknowledge the good things that you have in Christ Jesus. His desire is to show mercy. If he desires to show mercy to sinners, how much more we his children, how much more we the new creation Hey, the preceding message was brought to you by King's Word Everywhere, Nigeria. We are located at King's Word Auditorium, Etel Avenue, behind NNPC Filling Station, First Bank Bus Stop. Of Kudarat Abiola Way, Argun, Lagos. Email KMI Africa at Kingsword.org. Telephone 234 810 00640.